Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Thanks for joining us here today. I am Dr. Cindy Banier, and I'm here with my co-host. Sean Hartman. Good to be here. Good to be here. That's right. And this is a Democrat and a Republican walk into a bar or... Hashtag DVR in a bar. DVR in a bar. That's right. And we are coming to you live from Ollie's in Cape Coral. Mm -hmm. So cool. Thanks, Ollie's, for uh, having us here. Absolutely. Wonderful place. I'm having my normal Coca-Cola and... I'm having a beer. It's pickles and something else. It's a uh, dead parrot. It's pretty good. <laughs> Very simple folk. Very simple Very folk. Very good. So but yeah, this is a great place to come hang out. They mm -hmm. got live music. I just saw that they have a, a hot... <laughs> hot sauce karaoke contest coming up what which sounds like so much fun now is it like you eat now is it you're competing for hot sauce or is it like you eat something that's hot and then perform karaoke that's it so that, is I, it? i've never seen it before that's what the advertisement said but like you get a shot of like hot sauce and then you have to a shot of hot sauce not like a chick you, you don't do it like chicken when you don't eat it with it I sounds, don't know. But sounds it sounds good. like fun. It's a great place to come. They got records too. So a uh, shout out to Ollie's for being our host. Thank you, Ollie's. Thank you, Ollie's. But yeah. let's <laughs> jump into it. So this, of course, talk about. This, this podcast is a Democrat and a Republican. So I am a former congressional candidate and Sean is uh, a... I'm a Republican activist. Yeah. I'm a former city council candidate down here. I did have to drop out because of redistricting, but I was running for city council. That's about as high as I've ever gone. But I am a Republican. I've been a Republican for about 10 years, say for a few times where I became an independent out of frustration. But in general, I'm a Republican, more of a conservative, conservative libertarian leaning. But we, of course, as you probably, if you've listened to our first episode, this is a better audio quality. Hopefully this time we had some microphone issues last time. Wow, but yes. as I'm, as I'm mentioned earlier is like we were talking about this for a while because we don't get a chance in today's political climate to really talk about issues in a, both of us being as principled as we are but right. respecting each other and in a civil way and yeah. i'm just very glad that we're able to do this i reiterated last podcast whether you heard me or not it's beside the point actually got like a, and i put a disclaimer on the last one that said Audio quality, not good. It's the pilot episode, yeah. but we had over a hundred views really? in a very short period of time. I got, on, on I got some good, I got some feedback from my fellow Republicans. I had one who said that this is going to ruin my political career, but I had another who thought I stood for the issues very well, which I was very, this is what I'm here for. That's the other part of it is too, is that I know I'm probably speaking mostly to Democrats being your audience. Maybe I'm speaking to a wider range and I hope I am. But the fact is that most, most Democrats have this very negative and villainous view of this, of our party. And we have Evie here again, of course, making her little. And I think but yeah, it goes but like both ways. And it, yes, right? that's what I was like, about to say too. Is it Democrats goes, are villainized too. Like people oh, are, of course. say really nasty things to me. We call you socialists. You call yep. us fascists. And the round around the circle goes. Round around so, goes right. And it's disappointing. And it's and so one of the great things about this is we could talk about these issues without that name 100%. calling it rhetoric. And there's, of course, a lot been going on with. We have the 2024 election, and of course, we have some local stuff going on too. All right. So and before you jump into that, I do yes. want to say, so we've moved this podcast now, so we're going to start at 4.30 here at Ollie's. Ollie's opens at mm -hmm. 4. So if you meet us here at 4, we're doing setup, but we're chit-chatting. You can be part of this audience too. So this is not just Sean yeah. and Cindy having a beer together. This is like the community come and have a beer with we us. We want to hear from you. Have we a beer. Right listen now, to the conversation. all we have is this young girl who's... You know, she's great and everything, but she doesn't contribute much to the political conversation. I can't. She really does talk. love the sandwiches here at Ollie's. If you could see by her face, if you're watching the live stream now, yeah, the s'mores. The they have an excellent s'more sandwich that I have yet to try, but I've been wanting to try for a while. It looks very delicious. They have a lot of interesting food. Here. Yeah, yes. good. I was gonna say, join the conversation, and you could say so. You can come and stay for the duration of it. We'll do special questions and things like that. Yeah. We really want to make this a community dialogue. Yeah, and so that's why we do this part live. Yeah. And then we do have an edited version of the podcast that we do this every other week. So this is a Super Bowl in between here. So from now it'll be every other week. <laughs> now it's going to be every other week. We had a Super Bowl break. Yep. And then we are going to have this be posted out on Wednesdays, the edited version, but it won't be the whole thing. So we still want you, if you're interested in helping us and supporting us and supporting independent media mm. and supporting people who are really mm -hmm. genuinely interested in having a conversation yeah. across 
cross party lines to subscribe to this podcast. Okay. And then you'll get access to the full video, any special editions we have, and you can be a special guest with us here in yeah. our audience. As that, well. that I'm really excited about. I really want some people on both sides to start coming down and really having a much, much more engaging conversation. For sure. So it'd be definitely interesting if we can get that going. So definitely please come down 4.30 every other Sunday. Yep. Or four, come here at 4. We'll be out here. I'll sign autographs if you want me to. I'm yes, perfectly all right doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, have a great... Okay, Merchant so nice. yes. <laughs> lots of stuff going on politically. Yes. All right, Sean, where are we starting? Oh, God. Where is I... Because... Let's start locally because this has been taking up my entire week, quite frankly, because as many of you may know, or as I mentioned last last podcast, is I report on what our Cape Coral City Council is doing. And Wait, shout out to that. Where can they find that Again, that's going to be, if you go on Facebook, Cape Coral Watchdog, that is where you will find where I regularly, semi-regularly post. I'm not always as good as it as I should be. The, the articles itself that I write, uh, that I post go on Cape Style Magazine. Okay. And so that's where they're published. So if you go to Cape Style Magazine, that's where you can find the Council Watch reports. This week has been hectic. And I want to give people a bit of background because there's the, <laughs> she's sipping her beer right now because it's been dramatic with what's been reported, but there's a lot of backstory before okay. it that I think has been lost to it because of the sensationalism of the headlines. For what's been reported, Let me give you the overview. Then Sean can give you some details. And then I'll give you my response. So what we know is that the Cape Coral city manager has been fired by the city council. Cape Coral, by the way, is what we call a weak mayor system. No, council manager. We're a council manager form of government. Council manager. Okay. So yeah, some of us, myself included, want us to be weak council mayor, but it's, that's an entirely different discussion. But we have a weak, okay, so there's the mayor, but then there's also a city council, (laughs) a a city manager, right? Who's appointed by the city council. Who's appointed by the city council, who's in charge of basically the operations and the management of the city. He's effectively the executive branch. He's the quote unquote president of the city, if you will. Yeah. So he was fired um, and he put out a, a letter with very serious allegations against the city council of racism and homophobia. So that's the context that everyone's getting now. What has been missed is over the past, not just recently when they decided to not renew his contract, that's where it started. But even before right. that, and the reason I'm hesitant to believe what the city manager is saying, now I'm not saying that what he's is saying isn't true. What I'm saying is that I would need more evidence to know these are very serious allegations and the city council for their part has hired an independent investigator to look into these allegations because they're serious. But the fact of the matter is, as I've been reporting for the past two years, the city manager has lied to the city council before. And this is, I can't trust what he's saying at face value, especially since this is really coming off as a disgruntled employee angry that he got, he had his essentially what had happened first. And if you go to the Cape Coral Watchdog Facebook page, you can actually watch a very badly recorded live stream of the meeting because it was, they weren't recording it. So I had to put my phone in my pocket to record it, but it was an hour long meeting about 30 to 40 minutes. in. they discussed the city manager and they decide not to renew his contract. That wasn't a termination. They were going to say they're letting him stay on in August. They mm-hmm. wanted to part ways amicably. Mm-hmm. There was just disagreements in leadership, and it was to a varying degrees. You had some council members like Dan Shepard who have said very publicly that he's lied to him privately. And I have, again, seen him both lie and misinform the city council with different event, with different things and with different presentations. What he would do very often is try to control what the city council would decide. And so... That's the issues there, but it needs to be. And I do think that the city council is doing the right thing by properly investigating it. I do think we do need to know if we have members, elected members who are bigoted in any way. I think that's something that the public should know. But again, I'm look, I take what the city manager says with a grain of salt. That's on my end, but yes. So I was going to say, I want to come back. I want you to explain to us the what you believe he's lied about, but I want to give the counterpoint from mm. the other side of it. So the allegations that have been made by the city manager, of course, and I'll say I'm not somebody who's been as involved in Cape Coral politics mm. as uh, no, Sean, because yeah. he's over here in Cape Coral. I'm in Fort Myers, so I kind of yeah. I know that side a little bit more. We're different sides of the river here. So yes. anyway, but I have seen it. I do know that a very, very staunchly right-wing conservative members of the city council were elected this mm, time around. Yes, that's true. Many of them had campaigned on anti-wokeism and things like that. Oh, so that's what makes this particular set of allegations so 
believable. I'd say interesting. <laughs> so I was going to say, so there's two sets of allegations. Yeah, there's two sets of allegations. One I think is more believable than the other. But again, I don't want to say I believe them until I have more evidence. And again, like I said, the city manager is not a, as much as a trustworthy story. It'll be like me asking you to trust what Donald Trump says, in my in my opinion. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the city manager has lied as much as Donald. That's a fair point. Okay. <laughs> I will give you that much. I feel <laughs> anyway. All right. Maybe Actually, not by degrees, but and I'll give you know, and I do want He's wanna... not like really that public of a figure. He's he isn't yet. Yeah, like no, behind he, the scenes. He has been a very public figure locally, particularly when it comes to economic development, which is I will say where he's been very good at. And that's, that's where, actually where the controversy came for one of the That is of one it. of the part of it is, so he had terminated African Business Development Director and brought on another who is an African-American woman. Now, he is, with vague accusations, he doesn't name specifics, but he says that there were racially disparaging things that were said about her, and they were questioning her qualifications and whether or not she's a good for, fit for the city. From my perspective, it looks like, oh, they're just trying to make sure they have a more qualified candidate. But again... This needs to be investigated. We need to see what's actually being said. And then you have where I think there's a little bit more believability is where the mayor, there's a specific allegation against Mayor Gunther and a specific allegation against Councilman Shepard, both involving the LGBTQ community. And I'm not really going to repeat them. You can if you want, but they, again, this is something that I feel like needs to be investigated. And I hate to be one of those. We have to wait till there's, we have all the facts. But that's where my position is here. That's and okay. I agree. Crystal was talking to me about it and how I do have to be objective on this because of I am personally close to some of these council members. But again, it, my my initial criticism comes from my distrust of our current city manager. So that's where I start at. That I'm not going to dismiss the allegations outright because if they're true they need to, they, then they're true. And then we need to have those brought to light. And let me say, I think that doing an investigation, everything is 100% warranted in this case. Oh, yeah. And to add to that, the letter that was sent was a legal letter requesting a whistleblower protection for the previous city manager because he brought these allegations and basically he pushed back against yeah. these allegations of discrimination. And let me add a little bit more context from my perspective as a Democrat on how yeah, that please, looks too. So the the allegations with the woman who was hired in was a search. There was many people that were interviewed for the position and they had a mm. an objective rating system for that. She mm. rated higher. The council apparently kept insisting that another woman who had less experience and had scored lower on that position evaluation, who was a white woman, they kept asking over and over again why she hadn't been hired. Now, mm. the reason that this is also important is because Council is not supposed to have a role in yeah. hiring. And that's also a part of the sunshine laws and the basically the separation that mm. the state of Florida has had around council versus administration in how things work here. So mm -hmm. that was a little bit that, worrisome. That's where I that's where I did see that. The where I would push back on that, and that a lot of that also comes from the council manager form of government. But I and I and it's true, you can't really have the city council really involved with directly with personnel issues because then you politicize those personnel issues. But at the same time, I do think the city council, obviously, as our elected body, has a voice and has a say on who he appoints. And that's where he's obviously coming in to consult with them, talking to them about who he's wanting to hire. And yes, I do think they have a right and I would say an obligation to the people that elect them to voice their any concerns that they may have. And whether or not these are based on race or not, that's the that that's where the question is. Yeah. Is are these based on race or were these legitimately based on qualifications? And, and here's where the vagueness comes in. And this is where I think there's a huge chasm between conservative and liberal views on this. Right. Is that I'm not sure from what I read that there's any one thing. It's not like they called her the N-word or they said anything specific. Mm -hmm. It was more nuanced around we're not sure if she's the right image for the city, yeah, which okay. is how 
it, oftentimes this type of it's under the surface coded, racism yeah. plays out. So that's what we're going to have to see whether or not this was really, mm -hmm. they said personality and image yeah. and stuff like that. And like I said, like you said, these are often coded. Yeah. It's, I think this is going to be a very interesting to watch because be. this is a tough thing to, to litigate, frankly. It is. And I'm hoping that either before or before litigation, or probably it's going to have to be after I can speak with the mayor and the council members to get more details about their mindset with these type of allegations. And what they, what was Mayor Gunther thinking when he said the personality isn't right? Can you give me in more detail? And I do want to hear from staffers as well, if there are any who've had these allegations. Again, I, I do, even though I'm coming from this, from the perspective I'm coming from, I'm not dismissing these allegations. And I do want to know the truth. And that's where my reporter hat comes in is, okay, what's actually happening here and what can I find out? So I've been doing my own digging and I'm hoping to have a few reports out, one on the city manager and sort of things he's gotten right, things he's gotten wrong. And I'm, I've already, or I'm going to be petitioning for the individual reviews, the performance reviews, okay. because that was one of the big discussions was, okay, you give him a performance review. He has about a 3.5 performance review. Why wasn't any of these issues addressed in those performance mm -hmm. reviews? So mm -hmm. I want to see if Dan Shepard brought up the issues that he brought up. And Keith Long apparently had the lowest performance review. So I'm sure he did. But I want to see what they said in their performance review. Mm -hmm. Now, the big thing is, though, with all these performance reviews and using the performance review as a whole, is you had two city council members switch. And that mm -hmm. in and of itself has really changed the makeup of the council. Like you said, mm -hmm. you far right conservative, if you will. And I wouldn't, yeah, Patty Cummings is conservative, Bill Steinke's conservative. So they, I am just, again, like I said, I'm interested to see where this investigation goes. And at the end of the day, my my thing is the truth. And if okay. these are true allegations, again, this comes into the issue of what should they do politically? And I think with Dan Shepard, you have his election coming up next election cycle. And then the mayor Gunther is going to have to decide what he has to do too, because he has to run. I don't think either of them are going to resign. I think they see this as a conservative enough city that they can ride this out if these allegations are true. That's right. And so let's talk about the second part of this, which is the basically the LGBT discrimination. Yeah. And so this was about, there was two circumstances with women who were lesbians and their performance was called into question. And there, there was actually in this circumstance, there seemed to be more um, mm. actual quotations and stuff that were said yeah. about how do we want the city to be represented by people who are LGBT? And also it looped in Cape Coral Pride in terms mm -hmm. of the in-kind donation for safety <coughs> protection that had been donated to the event, which mm. is a common thing that is donated. That to was that was actually something that we reported several months ago. And that was, I, ha I reported on that because of Dan Shepard, because he had gotten calls from residents. And who had asked, are we spending taxpayer money on this? Are we spending taxpayer money on this? And he asked the city manager and the manager said twice, no. And it turns out we were for mainly for police protection. And there was additional spending that was paid back either through volunteer hours or through finances. All this I covered in the story. And then there was a second part of the story where it was whether or not the decorum there when it comes to some of the people who are wearing certain things that quite frankly, like I thought were a bit over the top and it wasn't even for me an issue of trans or anything like that. Again, I have no issue with pride. I have relatives who are trans themselves, but it, and when I spoke to Dan, what he told me was like, I wouldn't want someone at Cape Coral bike night wearing a G string either. And where it's the, how sexualizing can it be family friendly? And I think that despite some Christian right disagreeing with me on this, I do think you can have a family friendly pride parade. I'm going to get crucified that for that probably, but I do think it's possible. And I think that, but there were some outfits there that I felt were not family friendly. And that's a different discussion. And that's uh, also like individuals. And that's individual. Yeah. No, what was in the, it, what was in the letter from the city mm. or city manager's whistleblower protection component was of allegations of sexual activity with animals that were occurring at yes, site. And was that is patently false. There was a false, photo false, that false. I had to, that I had to, try to disseminate and people were telling me that there is a dog with a device on his genitals. And I think we were able to finally figure out that it was either to assist with preventing him from peeing or preventing him 
from that. I don't know what it was for, but they all thought it was some sort of sexual device and they were torturing. So I had to cover that, do what I can, look into it, if you will. And it was an interesting story to cover. It's definitely not not one of my favorites, but it was definitely one of the, my most high profile. And But it was one where it really originated from Councilman Shepard speaking to me and his concerns that residents were coming to him and he lied to residents because of what the city manager said. And so I was essentially used to debunk, to text him. So and, was that know, the lie that you were talking about? That was one of the lies. So, no, for but me, that's I'm not, not. Does that sound like a lie or does that sound like that a misunderstanding? It may have been a misunderstanding, but that's not the, the, here's one of the lies that I would use, that I would use as an example. And I'd have to really go back to find all of them, but I've reported on a few of them, but there is, and probably it'd be better to describe this as a misinformation. And I should probably use the term misinform or control the flow of information to be a slightly more accurate, but he has lied. And I can't think of any specific example right now of direct lies. But one of the things, for example, is with when we were discussing buses for Oasis charter schools, and he would provide, he provided multitudes of information about diesel buses because that's what he wanted this council to choose. There was council members, actually it was Dan Shepard, surprisingly conservative that he is, was asking about electric buses. And there was no information on that. And they wouldn't provide any information on that. The other one was recently with Sunsplash, actually. That one was where they were trying to lie and misinform, where Keith Long caught them in that, where they were trying to convince them to purchase a $3 million parking lot to build out a parking lot for $3 million to justify a wave pool that Sunsplash was going, that the Pro Parks was going to build for Sunsplash. The other part of that though, was they were going to reduce the revenue sharing from 14 to 7%. And there is, I don't remember exactly what was said, but there is something that the city, that Keith Long asked the city manager about the necessity of the parking lot. And they confirmed that they did not need a new parking lot. And then when they were bringing it up again, he was playing it like they needed the new parking lot. They could use it for Lake Kennedy. They could use it for this, even though he said before that they did it. So those are just two minor examples. And again, I can go into, I have to go to really look into it. And I'm sure I will and do a fuller, do a write up on, write -up on it because it's, that's where it comes in where I don't trust them. So I'm going to be honest with you. Just the examples you've given are third week on my, I, I think only that's because true. of this, listen, I understand how complex government is. I mm. understand how much that's true of yeah. a job that he's doing. I understand that he's overseeing the entire city and he's got mm. reports coming in from X, Y, and Z. So is it a deliberate reason to misinterpret or to, to, no, to, to lead somebody astray? Mm. Is that the case? I'm not sure. You're not wrong. Is yeah. it just there was like so much stuff and he didn't know? Or because th these are different things, really, hmm. in my opinion. Yes. And um, I agree. They're not my strongest examples. But again, I'm going to be doing a write-up. And if you do a write-up, I'd be interested in seeing it. But yeah, for me, no. it's like... I gave very poor examples because I can't well, think of them off the top of my I head. Mean, it's also this... Okay. Back up too. Like it seems also... Okay. So there are these things that happen and... It, I know that the pride parade one thing is something that, and this is also in the whistleblower thing is about the woke component, yep. right? So it's bound to get people riled up. So if you yep. can say, oh, were they giving dollars? And the city manager goes, no, because actually no city dollars were given to pride. Yeah. Is that a lie versus saying, oh, we actually provided in-kind policing. Yeah as an in-kind contribution. Is that the same thing? I don't know. But will somebody who wants to attack the woke and attack pride use that? Yes. Okay. I, I that I can see that. I can understand where you're getting at with that one. Um, again, I, it's, I would have to go into my old, my, my, my past articles to really get a full list of what misinformation issues. And I will pull back on saying that he lied. I do think it's a lot more of misinformation than deliberate lying. But again, I don't, I personally do not trust him from his past. And from, and considering the fact that this is happening as he's being terminated, as he's being, and it wasn't even that he was being terminated. We were trying to leave on good terms. And it's not, we had any ill will toward the city council itself, at least the mayor, didn't have any ill will and the city council collectively didn't have any ill will. They wanted him to end his term and then be done with it. And the reasoning had nothing to do with the things he was saying. And again, if you go to the Cape Coral Watchdog Facebook, listen to their reasoning behind it. It is, you have Patty and 
Dan and Keith all saying that he has historically lied. And then you had John Gunther, the mayor, saying that he doesn't feel like he's just average and that he, we need someone who's more than average, who's exceptional. Listen, so previous city manager for Cape Coral had actually gotten run out of Michigan. It was yeah, hired okay. Him anyway. Yes, oh. yeah, no, John Sherlock wasn't great either. I'm actually, I like the guy that we're, we have for our interim city manager now. I'm being told he's working very hard already. He's a... Cape, he's been here for a while in Cape Coral. He knows the city. So I'm very satisfied with that. Again, I want to see where this plays out. Is, is the answer, though, that he's working out because he's just capitulating to council? Is that why he's working out? No, I think he's working out because there was a lot of things the other city, the Rob was neglecting. That was the other issue. So we had issues, for example, I don't know if you were aware about how many of our city workers didn't have air conditioning in their trucks. And this is something that they were working on to get fixed. They and then they had a fix and then they're buying new trucks and then that's taking a long time because of supply chain issues. But meanwhile, our city workers are suffering. And so Mike's gotten to work on that. There is another where city manager, the city manager neglected to get grant money for the Burrowing Owl Festival, not a Burrowing Owl Sanctuary that the state legislature created basically for us because Cape Coral is the only place with burrowing owls. And he failed to get grant money for that. There was some, I don't know exactly what it was. But he, he had a boat lock. He that's something that's been argued with for a while. The permits to get that removed. I don't know if that. I don't know the environmental aspects of all of that completely. But I know that's been a big issue. It's a tough one. Okay, let's. The one last thing. So I want to kind of close out this. We'll Please, wait yes. for the thing. But the one thing I do want to say is that we don't know how the whistleblower component's going to play out. However, if he's granted this whistleblower protection, it's going to be a very interesting kind of test case in the anti-woke Florida to have this employee mm -hmm. have whistleblower protection or not and what that allows in terms of yeah. the legal repercussions for it. That's I'm kind of like, that is, and I'm not fully familiar with federal whistleblower law. So that's where I'm confused too, because what is he claiming protection from exactly? Like retaliation and firing. He's been fired already. And he's been right. Okay, so he's saying that so he was saying he's fired because he blew the whistle. Mm, so it was retaliation. You know what? And actually, that I'll tell you when I first heard that they fired him within the first few minutes. I still haven't even watched that city council meeting. When I heard that, I was like, "That's gonna really mess us up." And I this could be very expensive for the city of Cape Coral. That could be a case. I think that was a very stupid move. I do agree with that. There, that I think it was right of us to stop to not renew his contract. I think that was a wise decision, but I think I was very confused as to why they fired him outright. I, and I, again, especially with that information, I definitely don't support that. But well, again, and, and it goes like this. So it's like, you really have woke discrimination allegations versus anti-woke city council. And now you have a whistleblower claim for retaliation. So it's going to go, what we do know is it's going to go to the courts one way or another. Mm -hmm. There are reporters and journalists that are going to look into it to find out more. Yep. And we'll come. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. I'm just kind of watching because uh, I think well, this is going to be the, a test case. Well, I think I this is going to be famous in Florida. Yes, I think so. Like for the wrong reasons. It, and I am smack dab in the middle of it as a reporter. And it's and I'll be honest, it's been stressing me out. I've been both with my day job and with this. It's been emotional because, again, I'm, I am a conservative. But on, on some of these social issues, I'm more liberal. I am more or tolerant, if you will. Again, um, and so I don't want people who are in elected office to be bigoted or discriminatory against other people. I don't think that to me, that's not who the Republican Party should be, whether or not, and I'm sure you'll argue that it is, but I would love for the Republican Party I, to go back to arguing over whether fiscal conservatism I, versus spending my is favorite. a good thing. <laughs> Those are my big issues. Yeah. I, I'm going to take all of this, of course, that. economy, economic issues. So I tend to be more socially liberal personally. Now, I, so libertarian it's, yes, I'm very libertarian in a lot of my worldview. With that being said, I understand where some of these social issues are of concern to a lot of individuals. What I want to remind people is that we have an individual who is gay or trans is equal to an individual who is a Christian or Jew or a Muslim. And many of us, including myself, who is a devout Christian, we have religious beliefs that we hold firmly to. 
And I've had to reconcile when I became a born again Christian, my socially tolerant views on homosexuality and what the Bible says about homosexuality. And that's a theological discussion, which we're not really going to have here. But the point is that those views are still views that are personal and these people vote too. And their voice matters just as much as a gay individual and a trans individual does. And so when it comes to the issue like of taxpayer funding for Pride Parade, I can see why that's an issue. And I don't really think that we should have taxpayer money going to something like that because it's a moral issue, just as I'm sure that liberal taxpayers wouldn't want to pay for a March for Life. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. But then that actually comes into the question is how much do we, yeah, who do we help? Because then it becomes a First Amendment issue. Yeah. And you can't, the city is not, any government entity is not supposed Mm. to be judging the quality yeah. of an event by the content of the speech. Yes, and I agree with that there. And I so obviously if we had these funding for police protection and all that stuff for the Pride Parade, which is honestly having police protection is fair. You'd want that. But usually you have organizations reimbursing the city or the town or the county for that. But again, if there's going to be a March for Life parade, are they going to get the same resources? If so, then that's great too. But my position would be, Neither of them should get the resources. I think the only thing, I think they need to be reimbursing us when they have those events. And that should go for all events except for the Holiday Festival of Lights and the Red, White, and Boom Festival. I think that those are the only two that we should fund as a city. And, and I think that the Red, White, and Boom itself is a city event. Yes, it is. Yes. Those Just are say, different yeah. than individual and one nonprofits. But that's what I'm saying is I don't, right. I think They're that. Different. Yeah, I think that with that, I would. If we're taking that you have an all or nothing approach, I would go with the nothing and not the all. And that also comes from that fiscal conservative. And that has and that, but then again, that it's how you apply it. So good. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to pivot away from this. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about the next thing that you wanted to talk about, which was? 2024. It's heating up. It's heating up. I know we have a commercial break here from Evie. What's up? We got half an hour more. We're going to talk about the presidency. (laughs) Are you excited? We may have have the the first female president. You know that, (laughs) Evie? We could have the first female president, a Republican by the name of Nikki Haley. Be happy. (laughs) And she takes her... Let's take a drink on that one. Yeah. Let me say this. I don't hate Nikki Haley. I don't know. Please, for the love of God, say you prefer to Trump. <laughs> yeah, I do. And this is what's actually the reason that I can appreciate her is the reason why a lot of really far right folks aren't. It's because she was ambassador to the United Nations. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, that's a really important reason for, yes. I, I think that we need to be global leaders. Yeah. And well, I think the United Nations mm. is really important and she served that role. And I mm. think she did a, a pretty decent job. Not all the decisions she made were yeah. the ones that I would appreciate. I think that's an important leadership thing for the United mm. States. No, I agree. That's definitely and one of the things we bonded on very early on is our love of foreign policy. I was a, an international studies major at UCF. So I love that foreign policy stuff. But yeah, my party's become less, you've been very anti-globalist. And, and I, I've said actually at a party meeting once, or they were having a discussion about the World Health Organization and the United Nations and all that type of stuff. And someone was like, who here supports the UN? I was like sarcastically, who would here would support? And I was like, me? Because what the UN is supposed to be is an organization where we as individual sovereign nations come together and find ways that we can cooperate internationally. The UN is, and I remember going when I was, when my first trip to New York, when I was in elementary school, I was shocked at how weak the UN is. And now (laughs) I've grown up and I've become a conservative and I understand the value of national sovereignty. And that's why it's designed in the weak way it is. But I have, I'm a big supporter of the UN and the presidency constitutionally is a foreign policy role primarily. 100%. It's supposed to be foreign policy and national policy. Yep. Most domestic stuff is supposed to be handled by the states. Congress. So she has yep. very strong diplomatic credentials. She has executive credentials with her governorship as governor of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I think she has the ability to <laughs> I think she has the ability to broaden our tent and get more young people, more minority voters into the Republican Party, which obviously I believe is important and a lot of Republicans believe is important. I think it's going to be interesting and how many people come into this race because I am hearing 
now that Ron is going to run, which I said in the previous episode, there's yeah, no way he's going, to run. he's going to run. I said, there's no way he's going to run. There's no way. Democrats just made that up. Democrats just That's made it up. Said. I was so was wrong. wrong. I do now have it on good authority that he was thinking about. Uh, so I may have been right when I said it because Maybe he, was, he was thinking about not running. He was, no, he was not. He was not going to run, but he decided to run. at okay. the So. That's what I've been told. So I may have been right when I said it. So all I'll right. keep All right. Fun. So before we jump into yes. like analysis on Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, I want to loop back to the UN thing. Just one moment. Okay? okay. Yes, please. Because, okay. So first of all, yes, we did bond on that. So I have an undergraduate degree in international relations. I have a master's degree in international mm-hmm. relations. Then I got my doctorate degree in the international field. <laughs> like I, was, I got it in Japan. I was studying Asia Pacific studies, but I was studying governance structures yeah. around the world. She has this amazing thesis paper that I took pictures of to read it just on community policy and how to yep. address economic issues in yep. the Asia Pacific. Very interesting. Community driven economics. Because yeah. that's, I'm actually fundamentally like a very wonky person. I believe in decentralization, mm-hmm. which by the way, that's like state that's rights, a, local rights. Yeah. Okay. That's what it's all about. But it's about for me, I want to see it like it's like the nesting dolls. It's like we got to have everything fit together, right? Yeah. So that's mm. the challenge, I think, to people who are policymakers. Yeah. But so back to the United Nations. I was also, by the way, a representative to the United Nations on behalf of a non-governmental organization called the International Association for Community Development. Oh, yes. Which okay. was, which is an international organization that advocates for community people to have a say in their governance. So it's really like, how do we do participatory governments? How do we do decentralization? How do we involve people meaningfully in their mm-hmm. own governance? Yes. Yeah. And so I had the privilege for two years to go to the United Nations and advocate on behalf of this cause, mm. participate in many high level forums. And yes, what Sean says is true, is it's actually, it doesn't function like a government. Yeah. Think, okay? It's not a one world government. It's not a one world government. <laughs> no, it's, it is literally just, here's my government, here's my government. And like, they can come together and say, basically all that they can do is make a decree. It's we believe X, yeah. we believe Y. And then there's this thing called the UN secretariat, the gen, the secretariat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's the administrative body. So they oversee the funding that basically everybody voluntarily puts together from the United Nations to run things like the World Health Organization, the International Labor Organization, the UNDP, the development program, the poverty yeah. Alleviation program, UNICEF, stuff like that. UNICEF, the, right for yeah. kids. UNHCR, the human rights are human refugee, refugees. Refugees, yeah. that's refugees, right? And these are all things, by the way. And this is the other part that I like. I'm like, I want every Republican. So please, Republicans, if you listen, we made this shit up. We made it. It was that's, that's the other part of it too. It right. came Redwoods is New Jersey. It's all based on the Western ideology. You're it's right. based on market economy. It's to how we can make the rest of the world more democratic and more market-based. That's the whole point of the United Nations. And the biggest criticism in international relations has been that it's too U.S. driven because the United States puts a lot of money to it. There's a lot of workers. There's a lot of people. It's based in New York, right? Mm -hmm. So the criticism, so everybody else in the world says, oh, it's too U.S. focused. And then us in the U.S., we want to flush it down the toilet. It's literally how we influence the rest of the world too. To make them more like us. And it's just for me, I'm like, oh man, this is the wrong thing because it is a place to demonstrate U.S. leadership. It is the beacon on the hill from Ronald Reagan, right? How do we make the United States, the one that everybody looks to, it's by being the people who are promoting democracy through international diplomatic democratic channels, which is what the United Nations is. And they have no power, really. Yeah, they really don't. And But I was, yeah, I agree with you. I think that with the the UN is a part of United States tradition. We created it through Eleanor Roosevelt, who I think was a major company with that and was one of the main leaders on our side with that. It came out of World War II. Yep. It came out of our alliances from there. And right. so it has a yeah, purpose. The winners. Yes, the winners. We did it. That's why Germany doesn't have a UN Security the Council. We do. Because <laughs> it's all, it's Russia, China, United oh, States. France and Britain. Yeah, it's yeah. the winners. It's the allied powers. And I would, look, I would agree with a lot of current Republican sentiment that we really need to focus on the issues in our own country before we worry and about everything. Okay. And then, yeah, and that's where I think a lot of people get hesitant. And even if when you listen to Nikki Haley, she does have that strong foreign policy stance that that uh, sniffs of smells of neoconservatism, like old fashioned Bush neo neoconservatism. Francis Fukuyama? Yeah. <laughs> like my favorite neocon, by the way. 
history is over <laughs> end of history no more history just stop recording everything guys it's like no more nation that building is, okay. that is the stu it was the stupidest idea i've ever heard is that oh I, what do you mean there's no more we're still recording history how do you can you say uh, anyway so, so yeah. nikki haley has some maybe different broader appeal I but do. might face some kind of headwinds from her own party I think she's going to, obviously she's going to face a lot. Anyone who runs against Trump, except for Ron DeSantis, is going to face issues. Ron DeSantis is a special character, though. And where I actually, he's, he's a special character, because I think what's going to happen is that him and Trump are going to compete for the votes. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think someone like Nikki Haley could end up rising to the top, because they're going to divide mm -hmm. each other. Because look at how the primary schedule is set up. You'll have Iowa first, which I think, because you also have, just so everyone is aware, the list of people who are running. You have, obviously, Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis is set to announce after the legislative session. That's your A team. Your B team is going to be Mike Pompeo, who's set to announce in the spring. Lisa Hutchinson, who is the governor of Arkansas. <laughs> look, look, I don't know. He was the drug enforcement administrator under Bush. He's old news, but he's going to be announcing for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's like, my last hurrah. Let's just do it. What do I have to lose? I'm done. Sure. Because it becomes a numbers thing. It does. At that and point. And so I do think you're going to have Republicans like Larry Hogan, Liz Cheney. Mike Pence. I think Mike Pence may run, but I don't know if. I don't know if he'll run if with I, I feel like with Nikki running, Mike Pence won't run is what I'm thinking, because I don't know if Mike Pence wants it. Mike Pence, I think it is humble. I don't think he's really wanting to put him or his family through all the stuff he went through already. He doesn't want them to bring out the guillotine again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, we don't need gallows in the middle of every presidential debate. Okay. They're right. There were gallows, and, not guillotine, and, but whatever. You were. And I am, and I'll be honest, and I am, if this is going to get violent, and I think that any violence will hurt Trump no matter what. So I'm hoping that Trump supporters heed my warning and don't do anything stupid. Whether or not they will listen to me is besides the point. But I think that you have Mike Pompeo, Asa Hutchinson, Maybe one of the never Trump Republicans drop goes in, but you just had the RNC make Republicans pledge to support whoever's the nominee, which both hits Trump because it means that will Trump actually do that? That's to be seen. And then it hits anyone who wouldn't endorse Trump. So that would hmm. be, I would be interested to see if we have any of the never Trump Republicans run. I don't think they will though, because I also think that they realize that if it's a crowded field, then it's it going to be- Trump. It helps Trump. You're going to have the same situation as the 2016 primary. That's why I think Mike Pence may not run either, is because he may think that Nikki Haley's, he may endorse Nikki Haley and Nikki Haley's that candidate that can, she's conservative enough that she can win general votes, but, and she has enough connections to Trump where she's not a never Trumper or an anti Trumper. She's not even attacking Trump. I just yeah. saw her. I heard on, Trump gave her the green light to run. See, there's a, I have a slight conspiracy theory they planned this because I did notice that he's less critical of her than he is of Ron DeSantis. And I have a bit of a conspiracy where she's running as to steal votes and then they're going to run on a ticket together. I don't know if that's a conspiracy. I think that's more, that's just politics. Like yeah. That's what people do. Oh no. They will. They'll run, they'll not run. They'll put different people in Yeah. because yeah, there is like. The, the, they're auditioning for different posts. Yeah. And yeah, the common thought is that the more people that run, it's going to favor Trump, not only because he has a bigger center of gravity essentially, yeah. but that like we see when there's a huge primary, it, you need less votes ultimately to win. Yeah. So Trump having that consolidated base mm -hmm. is not really going to be able to, no one else is going to be able to compete, especially yeah. if everybody's taking a place <clears> in the pot. The only one who'd be willing to compete, be able to compete with Trump's base is Ron DeSantis. DeSantis. And so that's what's going to happen is DeSantis getting in pulls away at his base. So it'll be very that's interesting. So that's where I'm seeing. And that's assuming that there's no dirt on DeSantis Let I've been hearing through the grapevine that there's some stuff like Trump posted some photo. We've all heard something things secretly. <laughs> if we're, we're all of us politically connected in Florida, I've heard rumors, but nothing that can be definitively proven though. Trump did tweet truth out, I guess truth out is that what it is i don't know he truthed out a photo of ron DeSantis when he was a high school teacher drinking with oh we kids. already i put but that out too you put that out yeah. too whether or not that's real or not i don't know but that again and everybody's seen that there are allegations oh, back, there's more yeah there's, yeah, there's, there's more. so like his sister's missing and 
Ooh, I didn't even hear anything. There's about all sorts this. of stuff happening in Tampa. Yep. So you may not only like women. Yes. <laughs> oh. Anyway, no, we'll that I didn't hear. Out. That um, I didn't hear. We'll but it will be interesting again. So that's where I'm also interested in. Where I think that he may still not do it in the last minute. If Trump or Roger Stone probably comes over, is look, Ron, because Roger Stone. I will say. I know I, I've met Roger Stone. I've spoken with Roger Stone multiple times. He hates Ron DeSantis. And so does. it does, it would not surprise me if he has the dirt and he goes over to Ron. He says, Ron, if you run, I'm leaking all of this. You're done. You won't have, you hold off, wait. And the wise thing for him would be to wait till 2028 or 2032. Fascinating. That's my thinking of it. So the Democrats are just sitting back going, have fun, y'all. <laughs> Oh yeah, you guys see this is the benefit of you guys you having get Joe your, Biden. Yeah. Everybody's yeah, yeah. And even though I hear like all these stories, oh, Democrats don't want him to run because of his age. I don't think that's as widespread. I think that there there are it's not there's not enthusiasm for Joe. It's more we'll vote well, for him over Trump. Yeah, exactly. And well, that, and NPR did a really cool study on this recently, mm -hmm. and it's just like you said. It's like there's people that are like maybe I'd like somebody else. Yeah, but I, if it comes down to it. Democrats are voting up, voting for him 100%. But that's where I think Nikki Haley could be a strong candidate because I think she can pull some of those Democrats who are not enthusiastic about Trump, but who may be more open to a Republican that can speak to them. And so I'd be very interested to see if that pulls off. My thinking is this, though. So because what we also have to remember with these primaries is it's a it's like a race. It's a step by step race. So you'll have Iowa, where I think Pompeo will probably get good numbers and hmm. Trump. And I don't know how, I really don't know how I was going to play out, honestly. And quite frankly, Iowa tends to pick someone who ends up losing. So I try not to pay too much attention about Iowa, if I'm being honest. But with New Hampshire, I think New Hampshire is going to be a good case study because one, if the Democrats remove the the primary schedule have okay south so, carolina is going to be the first one so already you're going to have two different primaries for democrats and republicans in new hampshire those are open primaries so you'll have democrats mm -hmm. and independents will be able to vote so you'll have two things happen one you'll have the democrats who want a good chance for biden vote for trump so they're mm -hmm. going to boost his numbers but i think you're also going to have a lot of moderate democrats and independents vote for Nikki Haley. I think that'll give her a strong showing there. And of course, she's going to have a very strong showing in South Carolina because that's her home state. By the time you get to Florida, Nevada, and Super Tuesday, she'll have enough delegates to be sitting comfortably with. Then you'll have Trump and DeSantis competing each other and basically fighting over the other delegates. And she'll have the leftovers and winning Northeastern states, Western states. And I think that's where she ends up squirts coming in with a victory at the end or we have a hung convention because there's it's too divided that way that's also a possibility too and then it becomes a how do the delegates vote and who has the best delegate game at which point i think you have i think both desantis and nikki could fare very well there depending on their strategies so hmm. that's what i'm thinking that's where i think the direction is going to go but as i noted before i said that ron desantis wasn't going to run and apparently he is and i have been wrong so many times before so don't take my predictions <laughs> to... listen this is all that's the best that we can do yeah when you're in the game you see the people you mm. look at the polls you look at you know what's based around, on what you know and, yeah and there's no perfect answer just like there's no perfect politician just there's no perfect voter no we're all people and people like sean and i who love this yeah. we can like you know immense in it i heard <laughs> a lot of the stuff too so i'm i love the politics of it. I love watching what's going to happen. Mm. I love actually the policy side of it. Too. Yeah. Both of us are very policy oriented. Yeah. So I am, and I'll probably end and I'm not making any official announcement yet, but I'm considering restarting. I had a podcast that I was setting up before this called the geek publican project where I was going to talk about conservative policy issues and really delve into policy papers and white papers and stuff like that. And I may I only did one episode. You could still find it on Spotify, it's on Bob Dole and Bob Dole's 90s presidential. Yes, it was right after he passed away. I had did a video about his 1996 acceptance speech for the Republican oh, nomination. And it, oh, it was beautiful. It was definitely not something you'd hear today from a Republican candidate. But I love was, Bob Dole on Saturday Night Live. Oh my God. Yeah, he referred also, himself as Bob Dole. Well, he apparently had this like yeah, tendency to speak yeah, in Bob the third Dole doesn't, Bob Dole doesn't know what he's like. Bob Dole would not stay. Yeah. But what was funny is like he was able to joke he on was, himself. 
yeah. go on Saturday Night Live with it. So yeah, he was, I always will respect Bob Dole for that. Yeah, Bob Dole's Bob Dole was a very honorable man. That was what a lot of his speech on the 1996 convention floor mm -hmm. was about. One of my favorite quotes from him is, what are we about? I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the exact quote, but the main part is, what are we about in this country, wealth or honor? And it was very much attacking what James Carville was talking about. It's the economy, stupid. It's not just about the economy and where you get a lot of these culture war issues is, you know, how our society is when it comes to everything from education to crime to substance abuse and stuff like that. Those are issues that matter too. And he talked about it very well in a very dignified way. So I had a lot of respect for him and I was very upset when he died. And so I did a podcast of that and then never followed up on it. <laughs> I was even on Diamond and Silk's live stream promoting back when, yes, back when Mike, when Diamond, what, what, Diamond was the one that, yeah, back when Diamond she was still last, was on there and I promoted my podcast and we were going to do an episode on Mike Pence is Mike Pence's freedom agenda, and they went off on Mike Pence. It was bad. And oh, then I never did that episode. But And I wanted to do one on the 11-point plan that Rick Scott had that he that had Rick to update. Rick Scott just got his ass handed to him and the State of the Union. Now, I will, so I do, he had to take I do out the, so, say, the Social Security and Medicare. So I, score one for Dark Brandon. I do want to say, though, <laughs> because, yes, that was worded very poorly in the pamphlet, but we're almost done. <laughs> Where uh, the thing with the pamphlet, because I agree, it definitely should have put that in there. But he did say, I think a week or two after on one of the Sunday talk shows, that it wasn't going to include Social Security or Medicare. I remember watching that live. But you're right. It definitely should have been clear in there from the get-go. It was stupid that it wasn't. And that, quite frankly, and I posted it on Facebook, that was the only legitimate policy proposal that Biden was talking about. Everything else, whether it was like Mike Lee or Ron Johnson, that was them floating ideas, which politicians do all the time. And some of them are stupid and they realize they don't stick. It's like a comedian trying out a joke. Oh, that doesn't work. We don't use that. And sometimes you have to do that from time to time. And Mike Lee in particular, of course, being the super libertarian that he was, obviously had that position. But a lot of them reversed on it. Even Byron Donalds has talked about cutting entitlements. But I think that we should get into that. That should be episode. another episode. Yes. <laughs> we got okay. a lot to talk about that. Okay. So, much. so Yes. So we are coming to the end of our time here. So thank you so much. Absolutely. For joining us here today. Come join us next time. Yeah, come so join us. you can tell me how wrong I am to my face. Or how wrong Cindy is to my laugh, face. You you know? Know? Come join us. Have a chat. Obviously, look, Republicans and Democrats can sit and have a conversation. <laughs> we can think and we can listen together. It's totally possible. So let's do more of that. Come and join us. Thanks to Ollie's for hosting us. Come and see us every other Sunday starting this weekend at every other one. You'll see it on our Facebook page on Big Mouth Media. You can also follow us on BigMouthMediaFL.com. That is where you will be able to get your subscription to mm. hashtag DVR in a bar yep. and help us keep the lights on yep. literally for this show and support independent media and support independent thought. I know yep. how much, especially my Republican friends hate that mainstream media. We hate it. Help support people trying to do something different. We would love to have your support Absolutely. for that. Check us out on the price and plans tab there. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and also our YouTube channel. So this now, this week, we are also streaming live on YouTube. You'll see our edited version come out on Wednesday and we hope you'll join the conversation. So thanks for so much for joining us here. Thank you so much. And also check out, again, the Cape Coral Watchdog if you want to keep following up on what's going on with the city manager and everything that's going on there. Obviously a very big issue here locally. I'm, I'm going to be on top of that and we're going to figure out what the truth actually is there. So very excited. We'll see you in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, see you next time. Bye-bye.